off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who drew the geographical lines back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Hello, everybody. You're very welcome along. Monday evenings off the ball, and it's GAA Central. GAA Central. We talked about it the intercounty season. Doesn't grab enough of the summer. It's grabbing it this week, that is for sure. So we'll be talking hurling with David Herity, All Ireland winner with Kilkenny, and Jamesy O'Connor, All Ireland winner with Clare. And of course, Gaelic football is to the fore. So Darren O'Sullivan, Colin Boyle, our dynamic duo, are together again. We have the weekend to look back on and then weekend coming up, we have Kerry Tyrone on the Saturday, Armand Monaghan as well, and on the Sunday, Dublin Mayo once again with uh, Derry Cork, ably the uh, support act on the Sunday. So it is tasty. 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy here in the studio. Hello. How are you, Joe? And Richie McCormick, hello. How are you, man? You well? Very well. So Kerry Tyrone followed by Dublin Mayo, we make have basically the two rivalries which have defined the 21st century of Gaelic football back to back. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Let's start them all over again, Joe. Oh, pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. There's a part of me that was thinking this morning, listening to the draw, half eight in the morning for some reason, uh, that I kind of did want those teams to somehow avoid each other in that, you know, you keep it almost for later in the championship. I've been waiting all year. I've been, waiting, been waiting enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we talked about this last week, you're ready for the dessert. Yeah, then. Sick, um, of, sick of delayed gratification. But I think Mayo and Galway showed that knockout games um, between rivals who are of a similar level, it doesn't really matter too much about the quality because in some ways that was a bad game. And if you were falling down from, you know, the sky and didn't know anything about it, you'd be like, what's this sport? Yeah. You know, because <laughs> quality wasn't great. Entertainment wasn't great. But Jesus Christ, it was thrilling. You know, and oh, that's just what we need, isn't it? And it's it's all gone now. So, yeah, like, Kerry, in some ways, couldn't be any better. You get to an All-Ireland semi-final and final, they take care of themselves. Yeah. You get the rivalries out of the way, the quarters. Absolutely. Uh, Galway Mayo yesterday, even as a kid, Richie, when you turned up to play sport, if there was a strong mm. wind, you would think, ah, oh, this is just a bit gimmicky. <laughs> this ruins the thing. And so... On the one hand, it was terribly gimmicky, and it, if you know, it was like, oh, just give us, let these two play on uh, equal terms, both halves. So I, I wasn't a fan of the wind. On the other hand, it did add a certain novelty, intrigue. Is five points enough at halftime? Is that five point wind? Mm. I guess we're about to find. I think it's not enough, but it might be enough. So uh, that was the nature of yesterday, and then the three games on Saturday were pretty decent. We had Tyrone. Uh, metaphorically growing beards and being back again now that the knockout stages are here and then one point games between Kildare Monaghan and Roscommon Cork so all in all we're kind of uh, coming to the boil pretty nicely Yeah I think that's pretty much all you could ask for going into those games at the weekend that we got three out of four one point matches and then obviously uh, Tyrone winning as they did against uh, Donegal yesterday I, I don't know I think it should, I wouldn't even make too much of a case for the win specifically related to how Mayo played in the second half because they showed that if you do play the ball to hand and you do play with a bit of pace and a bit of you know um, measured lunacy then you can actually go about building a score like they did yesterday in that second half and, and setting about destructing all the good things that Galway can do and I think that's where the fascination was is that even with that five point lead at half time you're kind of going I think Mayo probably will come out in the second half and show that they have enough and mm. it was it was those moments when they played with pace and they played through the hands, and that f- fantastic uh, score from the f- from their fullback coming forward was 
case in point, I think. Um, that showed how well they could play. It's whether they can re- recreate it <laughs> on Sunday, um, given the discourse. And by God, we're going to have six days of discourse between now and then uh, surrounding the Mayo-Dublin rivalry. Uh, it's the recreation of it, I think, is going to be the key to them. Don't worry, we've been planning our nostalgia pieces uh, just there in the go. ad break, Nick and I. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Alan in Dublin makes a fair point. Not one I totally agree with, but uh, a fair one. Lads, I don't want to be dragging up all ground here. But here are, and yet, are, and yet I, are either of these but. actually, actually rivalries? One team, oh, Dublin and Tyrone, beat the other, Mayo and Kerry, in every game of real consequence. Kerry won four All-Irelands in the same decade that Mayo beat them three times to win All-Irelands. You know, it's a... Uh, uh, that absolutely was a rivalry. It just so happened. Kerry could beat everybody else, but not Tyrone. Tyrone, a lot of the time, couldn't beat anyone else. You know, we're getting knocked out in first rounds of the qualifiers and everything like that. You know, it was just, that was just a mad, mad decade. Um, those three games, obviously, are probably the most famous of games for both sides yeah. in those in those uh, 10 years. It's funny, you know, because Darren O'Sullivan's on the way and uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite, it's quite, a Kerry perspective and probably explains why Tyrone loved playing Kerry so much. So Darren admits that he had a losing record against Tyrone but like always thought well we're better than them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's it. You know always, see, see where where does confidence overlap with complacency then? I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to kind of uh, it, it might be unfair to Kerry to suggest that they were complacent in those years, especially come. Yeah. But like I, I even remember in 08, so I remember like Kerry had won two All-Ireland finals in a row in 06 and 07 by a long way. They hammered uh, Mayo and they hammered Cork. And then you get into the 08 final and this is a throne team that had done nothing for a couple of years, had gone through a long round of qualifiers. They all grew beards. Nobody thought too much of them. And then you're suddenly in a uh, all Ireland final. You're thinking, well, Kerry are definitely going to do it this time. Like you know, stop worrying about what happened. Yeah. You know, three and five is definitely going. And again, just Tyrone had their number and the, just beat them easily in the end. You know, four points I think, but it's, it felt like more. The emergence in that quarter final of the Tyrone team with beards against Dublin remains the most thrilling moment in Gaelic football of the twenty first century. <laughs> okay. For me, for me, yeah. I remember. I like. I remember I watching that game. Yeah, yeah, it was raining. They all just walked out with beards. And it was the most fearsome thing. I thought, Jesus, these lads have just eaten raw meat for the last few weeks. <laughs> like, they've all been living up a mountain together. Yeah. They're going to eat Dublin. And then, like, they destroyed them. Yeah. You know, they absolutely killed them. I just thought, like, <laughs> these, boys, these lads. These are different. Yeah. And they were, like, you know, to, oh. for that team to win three All-Irelands is still just such an incredible story, mm. you know. But, I like, also, Mayo Dublin we've had this argument a million times you can argue whether Mayo are a great team or not and there's people in, in the team even around different sides of that but you can't say it wasn't a rivalry they were they were the team that Dublin they were the last boss for Dublin every year and they beat they beat Dublin in semi-finals yes yeah, yeah. bookending the great Dublin team I would say I don't think they ever beat Dublin at their best no. but, Draw that's, uh, but they got very 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 close and by the way one thing from yesterday just to talk Go about on. this because I was thinking about Killian O'Connor uh, earlier today and his equalising point in 2016 him coming off the bench uh, yesterday just when Mayo were getting on top first of all the rise of that and then second of all two minutes later for him to go out win the ball and score the most classic Killian O'Connor point you could you could possibly imagine like for me the game was over in that moment I just couldn't see how Mayo the lift that Mayo and their fans got from that moment like 
what a legend he is, by the way. But anyway. Well, indeed. Quick question, Wonders Hank on YouTube. Should you play with the wind in the first half or the second half, if it's your choice? Tip and Galway both lost playing with the wind in the first. I would lean towards second. Would you? I wouldn't be saving it. I would say you go out and you try and... End the game. Yeah. I could be persuaded. It's like playing in a way leg first. You kind of... that's That, that was always the uh, received wisdom, wasn't it? What you if the wind calms down? Fair point. Or turn yeah. sideways, as it was apparently in the Gaelic grounds. <clears throat> Michael Dignan was talking about that before the match. He said at one point he was sitting there, it's completely sideways and a completely changed direction. As well, just make sure there. that one of your staff members is a confirmed and qualified meteorologist. They've extended to their backroom teams to include all sorts of people now. So why not a meteorologist, Mick? Someone's going to do it. There. Absolutely. Get I the think, knowledge. I think you've talked me into that, Mick. I think I think there's a there's a. I think there's a psychological element to it too that if you tell your team to go out there you take the wind and you grab this grain by the scruff of the neck and you go out and win it mm. I think there's something that surely is beneficial in that as well yeah. Okay, Connor from Galway are we going to talk about the stamp kick at Sean Kelly uh, yes we will this is Rhino Dunhu the picture evidence is if not uh, conclusive it's pretty damning I would say there's no doubt he looks down. There's no doubt Sean Kelly has had a well-publicised ankle injury. There's no doubt he kicks out in that general direction. Yeah. The camera is has, has cut them off. Yeah. So you see everything but the impact, yeah. really, don't you? But the look is very, like, gives it all away. Uh, it really you can't does. really argue with it the really look does. You can't. straight down and then Kelly's reaction a second later. And I've seen since seen a photo of contact with Kelly's, like, ankle area, Achilles area. Like, he's going for the ankle and it's Sean Kelly's ankle. So... Yeah. It's very ugly. It's just a, a bad moment. It's not a, nice. A touch of heat of the moment and some quick calculations, realising who it was. The, do you know the thing is, and look, I, I, I would imagine Rhino Dunhu after the game is thinking, oh, jeez, what was I thinking? I would imagine. Because you can't imagine a good scenario. There's no good outcome. Mm. The only good outcome is you don't make contact and nobody picks it up on camera. Other than that, you have where we are now, which is it was picked up on camera. And I don't know if the CCCC are now compelled to look at it or not. I'm like, the GA rule book is a mystery to me. But given that the referee didn't deal with it on the pitch, mm. does that open it up? I'm not sure. But either way, there's no good outcome because one, it's talked about and, and it's you're synonymous with it for a, a period of time, however long that may be. But like worse again, imagine you do make a good contact with his ankle and he limps out of the game 30 seconds later. How, yeah. you're going to feel terrible or thirdly the ref well, does see it I don't feel terrible depends depends what way you do it but you're going to be as you said you're synonymous with it now if it, that had resulted in injury and he's walking off afterwards you're going to be like like Guy Cachea or one of those like, do you know what I mean that's, that's, that's the way you're going to be viewed Like, or thirdly um, you get a red card mm. and your teammates say what the hell are you doing like, there's just no good no outcome. mad logic no. to it now at all except the only thing is I would say is that that stuff has been done on a GEA field for time immemorial you know like that is there's a famous story not to bring everything back to Claire Hurler as I always do but like there is a famous story it's in one of the books that you know everybody knows that Shawnee McMahon that dislocated his collarbone or his sh- shoulder whatever it was in yeah. the semi-final against Cork in 1995 won the line ball etc Claire got the goal so he's there for the Munster final three weeks later or whatever it is and he really probably shouldn't be playing he's miraculous but the whole thing was look Nan's great idea was Limerick are going to target this now they're going to be straight into him so they strapped up the other shoulder clever 
<laughs> and apparently two minutes in gets a white, right wallop on the fit shoulder knocks the guy back and Shawnee's fit as a fiddle and they don't think to go near him after very that very clever very very clever but also it does show you that what Rhino oh, yeah. who does here isn't unique Funny. and it, you could call it all the words in the world but then a lot of other people would look at that and think like that's just a done thing we're playing high level sport here yeah. there's a guy out there that has a weakness I don't think you should be kicking him in it and I'm not condoning it whatsoever but I am saying is that there is an argument out there that people would say that's just the way things go things Completely. go Complete, a lot of people would say, look, it's all is fair. Love mm. and war. It, now, just as you were talking there, I found myself, uh, and it, it is from memory, but I'm pretty sure Kevin McStay a couple of years ago wrote a really strong piece against, like, violence in the GEA. Now, I, I don't know if you're putting what Rhino Donahue did down under that bracket, but McStay was really against the culture that runs through in GEA of skullduggery of any kind and it, mm. like it generated it was a, the talking point for a day or two or three you know so I kind of wonder like co-light a day what McStay might say on the QT over the next few days will yeah. it be Ryan don't do that again understand emotions running high you're in the thick of it but that's not what we do mm. or will nothing be said because I all is fair there is a kind of an element of like what are they doing all there in the first place like if you look at before he throws the kick something that would never be commented on nor should it because everyone would do was that like Kelly is squaring up to a different guy and I don't know who comes in from behind with the forearm into the lower back even just to start it like a third man in from behind mm. you know and again it's just such a dumb thing because the throw in is any is is you're jostling for free hit. supremacy free hit almost yeah unless you go too far you know yeah. so that is uh, look I think it's all worth thinking about yeah okay The news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Richie, where are we starting? Uh, Shamrock Rovers have the chance to end the night seven points clear at the top of the SSE or Tristy Premier Division. Stephen Bradley's side welcomed second place Derry City to Tallis Stadium. Rovers making four changes to the team that was pegged back at Daily Mount on Friday night. Uh, Sean's Hoare and Kavanagh come into the side as do Richie Tell and Johnny Kenny. Derry make two changes from their last outing. They're also bedraggled by injuries with only seven of the available nine substitutes named on the bench. Kickoff in Tala at 8pm. There's a 7.45 start at Oriel Park where Dundalk go up against St. Pat's tonight. Meanwhile, Drogheda have been dealt a twin blow today with the news that both Freddie Draper and Alicia Ahui are returning to their parent club Lincoln City. Draper departs as the top flight's player of the month, having scored eight times in 21 league appearances. Right back Ahui played in all but two of Drog's league games this season. And Mayo FC have taken their first steps towards potential League of Ireland inclusion. They've been granted entry to the EA Sports Academy competitions at under 14, under 15 and under 17 levels for 2024. You have the throwing times for Saturday, Rich? Yeah, Mayo and Dublin paired together, as we learned in this morning's All-Ireland Football quarter-final draw. Mayo securing the last eight place with that 110-12 point win over goal in Salt Hill yesterday. Mayo-Dublin will throw in at 4pm on Sunday. Before them will be the meeting of Derry and Cork with a 145 start at HQ also on Sunday. Tyrone's reward for beating Donegal is a crack at All-Ireland Champions Kerry on Saturday afternoon. That'll start at quarter to four. There'll be a 6pm throw in for the All-Ulster Clash of Armagh and Monaghan. I know somebody was asking on text about televised uh, games the Sunday games will be televised the Saturday ones will be on GAA Go yes that is the situation so um, meanwhile mm. this is interesting I hadn't heard even a rumble of this 
Mm -hmm. Robbie Keane is to take on his first head coach's job at Maccabee Tel Aviv. The 42-year-old has agreed a two-year deal with the Israeli club. That might be moot because Keane is the seventh man in three years to take the reins at Maccabee, who recently parted company with Aitor Karanka. Maccabee Tel Aviv, meanwhile, will enter the Conference League at the second qualifying round stage, where they'll play Moldova's Petro Club Hinchesti. So Maccabee Haifed, the dominant team. Maccabee Tel Aviv finished third in the most recent season. Wikipedia tells me they are the only Israeli team never to have been relegated. Oh, well. A bit of trivia for you. So Keane has been desperate to get back into management for a long time. Obviously, things didn't work out at uh, Middlesbrough, nor at the Republic of Ireland. This is Or Leeds. Or Leeds, yeah. An interesting chance for him. It's interesting, Richard. I hadn't realised there, there was that level of turnover of yeah, it's uh, manager, so it's it's a precarious enough um, level of security by the sounds of things. Like, do you remember when Mick McCarthy went to Apoel Nicosia and you were hearing like, oh, well, they've had 15 managers in the last six months, you know, and you're thinking, well, why is this going to be any different, you know? And then immediately the alarm bells go off. And I think this is like, I think with Robbie, like, I hope it goes well. And, you know, fair enough. Like, I mean, he probably does, is looking to take a, a role that I can see as a stepping stone, but you know, you don't want to make too many bad decisions either. No. And if this is one of those like basket case clubs that's going nowhere and, you know, first sign of trouble, managers out the door, then what's that good? What's, what good is that doing to CB either? No, you that's know? true. He said, it's always been my dream to manage my Hey, well played. Cheap. They were on sensible soccer. He would have been playing with them as a, on the, the Mega Drive as a kid, I'd imagine. Yeah. We'll um, do a piece on that in the next uh, day or two and uh, get the lowdown on what Keane can expect or what he's expected to do. 42 years of age now. I would think, Richie, uh, Rob Keane mm. has it written down in his uh, book of ambitions. Uh, what do I got, What do I have to do to get the Ireland job in the next five years? That'd be the one for him where he can really dive uh, in. Probably not probably not go for six months at Maccabee Tel Aviv um, would probably be my first non-step there because it's not going to last um, I think he just has to look at the managerial history there of the last three years and even beyond uh, to know that he's not uh, long for, for this world or for Tel Aviv's world yeah. um, and going to uh, somewhere like Israel is hardly going to be beneficial to his CV whether he's remarkably successful or as is usually the case it seems in, in Maccabee Tel Aviv's recent history moderately successful finishing top five yeah. um, in the Europe Israeli is the League. only thing you know I think I'll get Juventus Aston Villa big teams like that in the Conference League make a bit of a yeah. Shamrock Rovers big outpouring Richie for Craig Brown yeah the former Scotland manager has died today at the age of 82 after a short illness he remains his country's longest serving manager taking over in 93 continuing then until 2001 Brown is the last man as well to lead Scotland to a World Cup back in 1998 two years after he qualified them for Euro 96 he'd also been assistant at the World Cups of 1986 and 1990 and latterly managed Preston Motherwell and Aberdeen former Scotland midfielder John Collins among those paying tribute today he was uh, such a wonderful human being Obviously, the results it tells you he was a terrific football coach and manager. He was an excellent communicator. He was a kind man. Um, and I just think the word to describe him is an absolute gentleman. Um, he was so thorough in his preparation and his time. I remember whoever we played, we knew them inside out. We knew their strengths and weaknesses. And what he did was he gave us belief. We always felt, no matter who we were playing, Craig would always come out with the lines that 
we're here to win the game. We can beat them. He gave us that belief. Um, and when he was a manager, um, he never got the credit he deserved, uh, to be honest. It's not till uh, he moved on from the job and the years went by that people and the supporters and probably the whole country started to appreciate him more and more as the years went by because he took us to, to finals and here we are all these years later and we still haven't been back to a World Cup. A few texts in. Those off-the-ball sneaky hits are almost celebrated by supporters and uh, derision against the perpetrator. Sports shows are even called after them. Yeah, indeed. I have some where that was gone. Uh, what if the wind gets stronger mix, says John, on YouTube? Well, it's a, well maybe if you have Richie's meteorologist on your staff, maybe then there's exceptions the to the rule, you know? Get special provision, get the sponsorship deals in place. I mean, there's, there's, you know, they could be sponsored by Weatherware and everything just to get them on board. Hire a meteorologist, people, it's the way forward. That's obviously, though, a, a, an outlier of a situation, whereas in normal case, say you're getting a standard wind, you know, you have to, obviously there's going to be going to be particulars to the decision. <laughs> Let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> uh, Monday, 12 minutes in, and Mick tells us a Claire story. New game, Mick's Claire bingo. <laughs> I thought that was a good story. <laughs> no, it was. Sorry, that was the perfect story for the Sean Kelly situation. Uh, that's right, lads. It was the Beards that won it for Tyrone. Much easier than having to admit they actually outplayed Kerry. Oh, my God. Jeez. Whoa. Just I think, calm. I, I think I just said they hammered them a few minutes ago. Yeah. I think we did. Four points. I said the Beards were cool. I didn't say it's the reason they won. Obviously, it's not the reason they won. Uh, you kind of did. <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was like fearsome looking. <laughs> Obviously, if they had grown the beards. I think it was why you said they beat Dublin anyway. We were all no, used to them by the time Kerry came. It's not why they beat Dublin, <laughs> but it was just made it amazing. I wouldn't remember that game as vividly no. otherwise. Just that moment of, God, the beards. Obviously, if they what come if you out, can't grow a beard? You'd have to be kicked off the team. Well, indeed. What if, they, if they'd stunk the joint out then? The, the beards, I appreciate, might not have won the game for them. I'll acknowledge that. Yikes, you got to be careful what you say sometimes. Uh, pedantic texters, I missed Well, indeed. Them. Thanks, lads. You're doing my heart good. Looking forward to the GA talk. I know. I mean, it's it's just, it's, it feels like summer has started in um, in a way. And yet it's the last uh, the last <laughs> Monday where we'll be talking about both football and hurling. Yeah, you said that earlier on. Yeah. So three weekends, are hur- two weekends are hurling. Two weekends are hurling, three weekends of football left, yeah. Ah, yeah. And just, you know what? We don't even have an L replay for a bonus thing anymore. The replays are banished. I'm just fine. I feel like we're getting our groove, hitting our straps. I know. You know? So I was thinking, you do back-to-back championships, you go straight away into a new one. Yeah. After the all the finals. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on people moving around during a concert, getting drink oh. while the concert is on. They need to stop serving don't. drink while the main actor performing. That's don't get me started. Show. It's a different show. We don't, don't have time. Me, don't get me started. We won't. Oh, Richie, it's fine. We won't. Nobody's getting you started. Thumbs down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to mount my high, high horse here. Can you in lieu of doing that just uh, give us a sense of what happened to Stephanie Meadow and Leona Maguire last night because there was a time yesterday where uh, yeah. it was very exciting yeah uh, Stephanie Meadow collected a cheque of $423,000 nice. uh, by tying for third at the Women's PGA Championship her final round of 70 though saw her finish on six under par two shots behind the eventual winner Ruyang Yin of China the first Chinese woman to win a major Leona Maguire's 74 meant that she had to settle for a share of 11th when it looked like she would be in contention on that final day. Yeah, it just didn't work out for either, unfortunately. Stephanie Meadows in the show tomorrow? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll chat to her about that. And Leona just um, never made anything all day and, and didn't strike the ball quite as well as the previous days. And like it was very noticeable. She's behind Shin and Meadow on pretty much every fairway. Like she distances an extra hurdle for her. Um, and I think as it dawned on her that it wasn't going well, 
the disappointment of that meant she shot a 74. Yeah, there was a two-hour delay, and I feel like if she'd come out and made par even after she was in a bad position, she ended up not tree-putting, but tree from around the green. And I think if she'd even made par there, she was still well in contention. She was only a shot off. I think that you know the the chance of the weather delay re uh, exactly, energizing yeah. her just went away straight away, and she just nothing fell for her, like you know. No, she's uh, people are feisty today. Hi, lads. One of the big pluses of GAGO this weekend is it might actually make some Kerry people attend a game of football. They are the worst supporters in the country. It's <laughs> 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 oh, great stuff. Uh, worst, <laughs> worst supporters in the country. They've one team to support. Oof. And a uh, very successful team. But like their first cousins in Kilkenny, they only turn up for the big matches. Do you know what? Kilkenny is, I was only thinking that. Uh, they, uh, they rivaled them. You know, all around the semi-final last year and I just like about did it was like a half empty Crow Park. I was like, Oh, we're waiting for the final, you know. Who are the worst supporters in the country five three? But what 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 uh, what connects Kerry and Kilkenny, Joe? Yeah, well indeed, they're fattened. Exactly. On the good stuff. Um Will Crow Park we gotta go. We'll chat about this later on. Will Crow Park sell out <laughs> potes? Oh, I wouldn't say so. No. I wouldn't say Saturday. Not a hope, says Arthur. The dubs and mayo won't yeah. sell it out themselves. Uh, Sunday might, but I don't think Saturday will. Kerry, won't. Tyrone won't travel in big numbers, no? For Kerry. I think you're talking 60, 65 is a oh, good okay. crowd there, you know? Still a big, huge number of people, like, you know? Sunday sell out. Mm. No, you well, don't think I so? I wouldn't be guaranteed it now, you know? Dublin, okay. Dublin fans aren't what they used to be. <laughs> they got fattened as well, as you say. Okay. Uh, we have got to go. Richie, thank you very much. Nice and lads. Michael, thank you. Thank you.